Hey, welcome to the Revo Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us today, wherever you are. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's message. So I want to speak to you this morning about Jesus and your mental health. Jesus and your mental health. Let's say a prayer together. Father, we thank you for being uh, so good to us. We thank you for a beautiful day in your house. And we just open our hearts, our spirits to just receive from you. Our prayer that is that we would leave changed, God, and closer to you. And everybody said, amen. There's a scripture in Hebrews 4, and it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. You can underline that. We don't have a high priest who doesn't understand. But we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens and he can sympathize with all of our weaknesses. He was in all points tempted just as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help in a time of need. I want to speak to you about Jesus and our mental health because he was the great physician, but he was also the wonderful counselor. And so you can't separate your emotional health from your spiritual life. They're intertwined. You can't be spiritually mature and emotionally immature. They're connected, but we try to separate those, and so we're gonna talk a little bit about this today. How many of you have seen here in the last few years, things just feel different in America, even post-COVID? Maybe it's me, I've been thinking about this lately, but I read a poll, and for the first time in polling history, Americans say that they are not as happy as they once were. Americans say this, they're not happy as they once were, even post-COVID. No matter if you're a Democrat, Republican, has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do if you're rich or poor, or if you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. People who are polled, they say that they are three to one unhappy. For the first time in polling history, youth suicides are, are on the rise, Since the pandemic, the most prescribed consumed medications are antidepressants and heartburn meds. Up 30% since the pandemic. Anxiety and depression clinically diagnosed more than ever. Feelings of hopelessness and sadness seem to be all all around drug overdoses and alcohol-induced deaths more than doubled since the pandemic. Wow. These, these are real stats, but it does seem different, doesn't it? I just, I read these stats, but I said, you know, just in, in, as a pastor, just knowing pastoring people, it feels different. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, the Bible says he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we could have abundant life. Have life to the fullest, another translation says. So in the midst of whatever, people aren't happy. How many of you know there's hope in Jesus? How many of you know there's joy unspeakable, full of glory that's found in the Son of God? Amen? And that's why we're here. But, but as we grow up in life, we get scars, don't we? We get, 
we things happen in our lives. Many of you have scars. I have scars. Uh, you can show me some scars. I can show you a scar. I got lots of scars. In fact, I was Ash and I were visiting some friends in. Uh, I went to, we went to Louisiana to watch LSU play the Gators. I know there's some Gators in the house, but come on, we have a long storied rivalry. I've been to the swamp and watched the Gators beat the tar out of the Tigers. So it all comes around and goes around. But anyway, we were in Louisiana and then we stopped in Alabama and I was talking to a friend and he has a tractor and he asked, said, do you have a, did you ever ride a tractor? I said, baby, when I was a kid, we had a tractor and it was an orange Kubota, but, and it was fast. And so uh, we tied rope onto it and made a sled. And we'd get going real fast and turn and you could slide, you know, it was super fun. Until I hit a barrel and cracked my head open right here. I got a big old scar right here. But you know what's funny about growing up in the 70s? We didn't, I didn't go to the doctor. My dad looked at that thing, man. He took one look at it. You'll be fine, son. So I have a scar right here, and I always remember the scar. My cousin had those, he had a go-kart, it was super fast. I said, let me see that thing. I got on there and I got to going so fast, I skid in some gravel and flipped it. I was sitting in high school, I was sitting in class, and I looked at, I was, something was messing with my elbow. I said, this was months later, and I just, I pulled a big old rock out of my elbow. <laughs> that thing had lodged in this, my elbow somehow, and skin had grown over it. I pulled a, and I had a big old hole in my elbow. I still got a little scar right there. I got all kinds of scars. You have scars, but you know, we all have a story, but you know we get, we have emotional wounds as well in our lives. We've all experienced trauma, some small T trauma, some big T trauma. Some of us experience unspeakable trauma. Some of you have. And it, our souls get wounded. It, what's, a, what's a wounded soul? It's a mental or emotional hurt or blow. It's a gap in our soul. It's a wound that we carry. But the scripture says what? He was, wound, he was wounded for us. It says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we were healed. And so the passage that we read, it talks about, it's not that we have a God who doesn't understand, but he was in all points tempted as we are. And we're gonna look at Jesus the next few minutes on the way to the cross. He experienced all types of emotional wounds and because he walked that path to the cross, when we call out to Jesus, he can bring healing in our souls, amen? And so he understands what we walk through. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to walk us through Matthew 26 and 27. The scriptures aren't on the screen, but I'm just going to walk us through there. We're going to see what happened to Jesus on the way to the cross because everything that happened to him was for our healing. And so it's, the story starts off. The, the narrative of the, of the gospels, it starts off and, and Peter and all the disciples, they're in the garden and, and Peter says this, even if I have to die, I'm not gonna deny you. And they get to the garden of Gethsemane. And I, a few years ago, I was blessed to be able to go to the garden of Gethsemane and, and sit right there where these, you know, it means olive press. It's an olive garden. And I tried to envision Jesus with his friends praying in this garden. And Jesus, he cries out and he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the death. Stay here and watch with me, he tells him. 
He said, he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your be, will be done. Jesus, you know what stands out to me? He was vulnerable in front of his friends. He, he had, Jesus expressed his pain, his emotion. He said, if it's possible. Jesus, he, under, he had an emotional life. He was vulnerable in front of people. And so the scripture says his sweat became like great drops of blood. And years ago, I read a story, I read an article about when you can get under so much pressure, your sweat can actually contain blood scientifically. But what happens? Jesus finds his guys sleeping. Three times he finds them sleeping. And he says, pray and watch here unless you fall into temptation. He says, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And, he, and so three times they fall asleep. It reminds me when I was in high school, I would be tired. How many of you know high school kids are still tired? You know, they are. I remember being exhausted in high school. And I'd, I'd come home from football practice, whatever, and I'd be trying to study and I would fall asleep. And my dad would knock on my door and I, I would get, I would try to have a book where I could, if he knocked, I could wake up. He would bust me trying to study, but I would fall asleep like the disciples in the garden three times. And so here in the garden, Jesus has his guys. He has his friends in the garden. He says, hey guys, will you pray with me? And they fall asleep three times. Can you imagine how that felt? Well, it's kind of, we kind of think it's funny. Oh, they were sleeping in the garden. No, man. Jesus was on the way to the cross and his friends were sleeping. And he said, just stay and, stay and watch with me. Stay and pray. The flesh is, is weak. And they, they abandoned him in the garden. He, he felt abandoned. I'm gonna give you some wounds on the way to the cross. The first one was Jesus was abandoned. And maybe there's been a time in your life where you felt abandoned. I know there's been a time for me, I remember, you just feel all alone in life. You know that there's an epidemic of loneliness in America. It's a real thing. You may have a, a lot of acquaintance, but loneliness is a real thing. Isolation is a real thing. And Jesus felt alone. And there's times where God will allow us to feel alone so we can seek him and call out to him. I know when I was a college student, uh, my, my wife and Ashley have been together over 30 years. We were met in high school and we were even dating in college, but she wasn't living in Baton Rouge at the time and I was in her apartment all alone. And I felt a little abandoned. And it was a time where I could examine my life, examine myself, and I started thinking about spiritual things. But you know, feeling abandoned can be terrible. To look around and feel like you have no one in your life. I was in this uh, apartment complex. In fact, when we were in Baton Rouge, I went and looked, I went and visited. I always do when I go in back to college town and I look at this apartment. It's called Varn Villa. It's changed the name. That's what it was called back in the day because it, it reminds me of where I met Jesus. And I just got out and I just, I've, I, every time I walk up to the apartment complex and I look at the door and I mean, Jesus, that's where, I, that's where you found me. And I just did that last week. And I remember being in Varn Villa and it was, I, this would go good here in Acala because my cousin was a cowboy and he gave me all kind of cowboy prints and, and what the, you know, those iron horse things and I had those things all over, man. I had a cowboy motif in Varnville, a friend, and it was awesome. 
It was good, man, I'm telling you. And I had a cowboy, I had boots, I had the whole thing. And, and, but, and so I was in Varn Villa and I, for the first time I started thinking about spiritual things and I cried out to Jesus and he met me. And I, 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 this is my testimony, man, there wasn't even a preacher. For me, there wasn't even a Bible. God started dealing with me and I got down on my face and I cried out to the Son of God. And he came and he put his arms around me. I felt his presence. I felt wounds in my soul being healed by his love. And this is how, it, this is what I would say about that moment. For me, I was set free. I was washed, I was clean. I was filled with joy and peace and my life was radically changed. Come on, y'all. That's, what, that's when I'd found Jesus, that's my testimony. And I began to follow him and seek him. But you know, being abandoned can be terrible to feel that way. Maybe some of you have felt that. Um, I'm in a, we call them discipleship groups in our church, life groups. And just um, Friday morning, there's a, there's a cancer doctor in Jacksonville. He's, he trains all of the doctors, the cancer the oncologists for all of the Mayos. Can somebody say this man is smart? Okay, so he come, he's in my Bible study and he brings his teenage son to our Bible study on Friday mornings it's, uh, named Matthew. And, and so the tragic thing is this oncologist actually is dying of cancer, it's terrible. He has pancreatic cancer and he's, he's, a can he's an oncologist and trains all of the other. He's a great man. He brings his son to our group. And so we go to the group Friday and, he, and Matthew just starts to sh share. This is what he said. I, my, my, my parents are divorced. I my girlfriend just broke up with me. My father is battling this cancer. He's been given a, a, a death sentence, basically. And he says, I feel so abandoned by everyone and I just can't find God in the darkness. And my heart, and the men just started ministering to him and giving him different advice and I was sitting there thinking about this passage. Jesus was abandoned and we, we, we don't have a great high priest who can't sympathize with us because he was left in the garden to go to the cross by himself. And so he knows what that's like and I really believe when we cry out to Jesus, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And when you find him, man, he can, he can take away that loneliness and you may feel abandoned, but Jesus is all you need, friend. And so being abandoned can be a terrible thing and this is what Jesus is walking through. He's in the garden and now Judas comes to him and they had, Judas had given him this sign. He had said, when I get, this is the sign, a kiss. And he says, greetings, rabbi. And he gives him a kiss and Jesus said, Jesus said, greetings, rabbi. Friend, why have you come? How many know Jesus already knew? But he calls him friend and the second wound, the first one we, we can experience that we see in Jesus' abandonment, the second one is betrayal. Jesus was betrayed by, the scripture says, he was one of the 12. And so someone who lives in California, someone who lives in New York City, it's gonna be hard for them to betray you like someone that's close proximity the someone who you do life with. He was one of the 12. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. 
And Jesus says, friend, why have you come? In the scriptures in the book of Zechariah, in chapter 13, verse six, 600 years before the cross, it prophesies, the scripture prophesies, and it says, I was wounded in the house of my friends. Speaking of Jesus, because someone far away from you, they can't hurt you so much. A close friend, a family member, you thought he was on your side and now he's turned around and he's pointing the finger at you and you're like, what happened? It hurts. You lose trust. Jesus felt the same pain and he wants to bring healing. If you felt betrayed, I have certainly felt betrayed in my life and it hurts, man, and trust is broken and you're shocked. You can't believe it. And if you felt that, this is what I've learned. This Christianity is designed to live in community, 100%. A family of believers that do life together, that's how this thing makes sense. And so, but what happens is if you have been hurt and betrayed, you trust is broken and now you guard yourself from being hurt again, that would be normal. This is the only problem with that. When we're vulnerable and we bring others into our lives, it allows people to love us. And, and that's when life is good. It allowed, that's when community is how it's supposed to be. And does it take time? Yeah, do you let everybody in? No. But that vulnerability piece, guys, Opening your heart and your life up to a trusted friend, it's so important. And there's no better place to be than a healthy church family. That's where you're gonna find people that love you. And so back in the garden, they grab Jesus and they take him to the high priest and they take him into like a courtroom setting to, and, this, and they sought people to make lies up against him but they couldn't find any and they finally found two false witnesses and they said, this man says if they, he tears the temple down, he'll build it in three days. But Jesus was talking about himself, right? He was prophesying of, his, of the resurrection, but they twisted his words. And so the third uh, wound on the way to the cross is he was slandered. But the scripture says he kept silent. How many of you know a lie always has a limited lifespan? He didn't defend himself. He's, another passage says, he left his hands in the case of God who always judges fairly. How many of you know we serve a righteous judge? And one day the books will be open, friend, and he's fair and righteous, and he sees the end from the beginning, and he sees your life, and anything that feels unfair, one day it'll be righted. And so Jesus felt this slander. There's nothing that hurts worse than a false accusation. Have you seen it in your life? Has it happened to you? And now in this world with social media, people just posting stuff about everybody, right? How terrible is that? The false accusations, the slander, you can't even know what to believe. And so Caiaphas says this, are you the Christ? Are you the son of God? And I love Jesus' answer. He says, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and 
coming on the clouds of heaven. And then Caiaphas, he tears his clothes. And now they take him. It's this, this whole thing begins to escalate on the way of the cross. He was abandoned. He was betrayed by Judas. He was the false accusation. He was slandered in the court of, of Caiaphas. And now it begins to escalate. And now they take him to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. And Pontius was not a nice person. He was extremely violent and ultimately tried for cruelty and oppression. This is, the, this is the Roman governor. And they had this great feast and it was the custom to release a prisoner. And, and so they would, they would choose a prisoner to release. And so there was this man named Barabbas and the scripture says he was a notorious criminal. What does notorious mean? It means famous for being bad. And so he was an insurrectionist against the government. So you see on this side, you see Barabbas. Can you see him? He was a, a, a rebel. Can you see him in chains? Cursing maybe, you know, representing the devil, representing rebellion. On this side, you see Jesus, the Lamb of God. Many of the people that are there out in the crowd, he probably prayed for, he may have healed the Lamb of God, innocent. And so they, they asked the people, they said, who do you want us to release? Pilate, who do you want us to release? Barabbas or Jesus? And what happens? The people say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Can you imagine how Jesus felt? His own, the Bible says he came to his own, his own knew him not. And can you imagine how that sting hit him? He was rejected, friend. And so a wound that we face in life is a wound of rejection. And some of you have felt rejected. I have in my life. We all experience rejection to some degree or another, some much worse than others, but rejection can hurt. And so Jesus was rejected by the people that he came to die for. But this is the principle I've learned. When you feel rejected by people, God is choosing you for something greater. Jesus was rejected by his own, but God was choosing him to be the savior of the world. Amen? And so the principle is this, when you feel rejected, if you hang on and you keep following God, God is, he's calling you to something greater. He's got a different path. Those people are rejecting you because it's, it's because God sees the end from the beginning in your life. And so if you feel rejected today, God's calling you to something different. If you felt rejected in the past by parents, family, friends, a church, a pastor, you got fired. God knows, God sees, Jesus felt it. And so, now Jesus goes to the, the praetorium. That's the Roman guard. This is like, now listen, this wasn't in Pilate's orders. It's, a, it's like a little side note in the narrative. They take Jesus into like a Roman locker room and they want to have a little fun with Jesus, the soldiers. And so you guys know the story. They put a crown of thorns on his head. The scripture says they... They hit him, they beat him, they spit in his face, they put a robe on him, a scarlet robe on him, and they, they say, 
they bow the knee to the king, bow the knee to the king. They're mocking Jesus. And, and you know what this is? It's abuse. The misuse of authority. They were, they were abusing Jesus. They were, they were mocking him, spitting on him, hitting him, making fun of him. And some of us have experienced abuse in our lives. Many of us have. It, abuse is terrible. It's a wound in our soul that, that is there that needs to be healed. We're talking about Jesus and mental, emotional health. If you've experienced abuse, many of you have, you have to take it to the cross. Maybe you need to take it to a counselor. Maybe you need to bring what's been in the dark into the light. You have to do that work. It doesn't go away. You can be 20, 30, 40, 50. It's still there. You have to bring it. We were ministering a couple weeks ago at a clinic outside of Tallahassee, a mental health clinic. And right when my wife started ministering to the girls, this girl started you know, bawling, crying. She put her head down and it disrupted the whole service. So they came and got her and they pulled her out. And then after the, after the service, they came and they said, well, we were like, what, what was wrong with her? She said, when I was a, a, girl, a young girl, I was kidnapped and she was adopted and she never told anyone. Something in the message brought it out. And but how many of you know, when you share what's happened to you, now the process of healing can begin. And so thank God for that. So Jesus was rejected, right? They chose Barabbas. He was abused by these Roman guards and they take him to Golgotha. I was blessed to be able to see, it means place of the skull. And it's a mountain that looks like a skull. And I remember I just said, I wanna understand the cross and I wanna see this area. And, I, and it, it looks like a cross. And so they take him to Golgotha and the scripture says the soldiers gambled for his clothes, which fulfilled prophecy written hundreds and hundreds of years before it happened. How many of you know, Jesus on the way to the cross, everything happened fulfilling prophecy. Everything happened for a reason. You know one reason? For our healing. Because we don't have a great high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all point tempted just as we are without sin. Did he, was he emotionally distressed? Yes, he gets it. He cried out, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. He experienced the emotional pain and he can, he can bring our healing. And so now they, they put him on the cross and the scripture says, that they, the soldiers, they, they sat and they watched. You can read it in your Bible. They watched. When Jesus was on that cross. How many of you know he was embarrassed? Can, can just imagine you being naked on it. He was naked on a cross, friends. And the scripture says they sat and they watched. Can you imagine Jesus being, how embarrassed he was? And many of you have been embarrassed in life. It was a joke that went too far and it sticks and you carry it. Man, I, I went back to visit a bunch of high, uh, college friends at LSU, we had a nickname for everybody. I, there was a guy, there was people, I never knew their name. I just knew their nickname. And the nicknames were terrible. I mean, there was a guy's name was Snack Bar. I never knew his name. His first name was Snack, his last name was Bar. Snack Bar. This one guy had a fat back, he was fat back. <laughs> we went fishing, the, our God, Bigfoot. Never knew his, his first name was big, his last name was Foot, Bigfoot. 
when you go fishing in South Louisiana with Bigfoot, you're gonna have a good time, friend. I could go on. There was one guy, he was big, he was jacked up, he was bowed up, we called him Snap. He had a little friend that followed him around, we called him Snip. <laughs> Snap and Snip. But how many of you know these, these nicknames can stick? It's embarrassing, man. Who wants to be called Snack Bar? <laughs> and so this is the thing. Jesus was embarrassed. We experienced some of this. Some of it can stick. And so they put him on a cross. And the team, you guys can start coming up, the worship team. They put, they put Jesus on the cross and they put a label over him, a sign over him, and it says, this was the king of the Jews. Like, like to make, they put it up there to demean Jesus because think of this, this crucified one. This is your king? This is the king of the Jews? Can you see? And Jesus said, what is written, it is written. He left it up there. Why? Because he is the king. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But he was labeled. And how many of you know your enemy loves labels? He wants to put a label on you. And he wants to say, you're a divorced person. You went through this in your, in your life and this is who you are. You're a failure. You, you, you filed bankruptcy. You are an addict. How many of you know the enemy loves labels? and he wants you to carry this emotional baggage all of your life, in your, this wound in your soul of this label, but how many of you know Jesus came to deliver you from every label? And what Jesus said, he says this, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now what's your label? You're a son of God. Now what's your label? You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Your identity is in him. And if you could just get, if I could just walk in the full understanding every day that I, in my, my identity is found in him, that I am complete in him who is the head of all principality, that I have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence may be of him and not of me, that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him, that I am his son, that I am his daughter, that I have eternal life, I have this, that I, I'm born again in my spirit and my identity is found in him and no one can change that. How many of you know you'll start to walk in freedom? Here's what I wanna pray for. I want to pray, as I was talking about these wounds of the cross, can you remember these? He was abandoned. He was betrayed. He was slandered. He was rejected. He was embarrassed. All of these things happened. He was abused. If that resonates with you, and we know all of those things have happened to us to some degree or another, I just want to say a prayer for you. And, and here's the thing. Emotional health is important. Jesus understands, and I really believe that his love is the most powerful healing force in the universe. <laughs> However, if you're carrying a lot of emotional pain, maybe there's, there's shame that's following you, it sits in your soul, I pray you find freedom, friend. In America, may, people may be unhappy. How many of you know we're strangers and pilgrims? This isn't our home. You know, we can walk in the joy of the Lord. So here's what I wanna pray. If, you, if, if, 
any of this has resonated with you, I just want to include you in a prayer. I want to say a prayer for you. And you'd say, come on, let's just close our eyes, bow our heads. Come on, if that's you, you'd say, Pastor Chris, when you were ministering, you're preaching, I feel that what you're saying only is, and I'm carrying this. I have work to do. I'm not on the other side yet. Just slip a hand up. Amen. Come on, get in on the prayer. I'm going to say a prayer. I believe in the, who believes in the power of prayer? Come on, if, any, if two of you agree as touching anything they ask, it'll be done by my Father in heaven. Amen, amen, I see those hands. Come on, you can put them down and let's say a prayer together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you lived, came to this world and experienced all of this pain for us, God. You're not a high and lofty God that doesn't understand and we thank you for loving us. We thank you that we call out your name. You bring healing. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. And you can bring freedom into our souls. You can bring healing into our souls. You were wounded for us. You were bruised for us. God, and we can find the, the healing that we need. And if there's anything we've been carrying in our lives, secrets, we're only as sick as our secrets sometimes. Show us how to find healing in that, to, to have vulnerability with others so we can walk in freedom in our lives. And you're, you're the lifter of our head, God. And we are new creations in you and we can live in our identity with you and all of this past can be healed and redeemed by the blood and the power of God. We thank you for that. If there's anybody here and you say, Pastor Chris, I just, I need to make a fresh start with God today in my life. And I just, I'm, I feel far from him. If that's you, come on, put your hand up. I want to include you in the prayer. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. One, two, three people. Amen. Anyone else? Come on, let's agree with prayer and prayer for these. Father, Lord Jesus, we just commit our life to you today, God. God, we, we commit, we take up our cross and commit to following you. We repent of all of our sins. We thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and we're made new. We're in your family, that you love us, that you forgive us, that you have a plan for our life. And we just, we, we commit to that today and we thank you for making us new creatures in you, new creations in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. If you've made a decision today to follow Jesus for either the first time or the hundredth time, shoot us an email at info at RevoChurchFL with the subject line, I've decided. And let us know where you're listening from because we want to celebrate with you. Check us out on our socials at RevoChurchFL to stay plugged in with what's happening within our community. And we believe it's going to be your best day ever if it's your best day spiritually.